I pray that the Lord is keeping you all safe and uh, from harm with everything that's going on. I, I want to thank you guys. Uh, Pastor Eric had invited me a couple of weeks ago to come and hang out with you during this food truck thing, which the food truck didn't show up, but it's good. We had fun <laughs> and we had food, and that's a blessed prayer. Amen? Wouldn't it be nice if we could spend just all our time doing that? But we can't, can we? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Now, I love the songs that we have chosen because it speaks to us being able to do this, being able to live in freedom, especially with everything that's going on right now. So, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a workout today. We're going to get a little busy. We're going to jump around Scripture, and we're going to talk about things, and we're going to try and go a little deeper than just the surface. Now, if you're okay with that, and you're willing to put your, um, your running shoes on, say amen. amen. All right. Let's, let's bow before the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We pray, Lord God, that those, these songs that we have lifted up to you are pleasing to you, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And I pray, Lord, that our lives would be the same. And we recognize, Lord God, there are things going on in our country right now that are troubling and alarming. But I know you have a word for us because your word is timeless and the principles therein are for all ages. And so, Father, we ask that you would open up our eyes and help us to see what you have therein and that you would take this feeble servant of yours and empower him to effectively communicate your word. I commit this time to you and ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, something that has just changed recently for me and my family since I last been here, my daughter is dating. <laughs> you know, for some of us, that's a very strange chapter in our lives, right? Because these little girls that we brought home, so precious to us, and now they're going out and potentially spending time with someone other than their dad. But I have to say, I'm extremely proud and excited for my daughter, okay? Not because of the guy she's dating. Don't let that statement th I'll throw you, okay? But the reason I am proud and excited is because ever since she was small, I said to her, if you let me, I can help you choose a good man, right? I didn't dictate it to her. I made it clear that I wanted us to collaborate, right? Because it's one thing to be dictated to, there's another thing when you are able to collaborate, right? You know, Jesus did this a lot in his ministry. Not the whole dating thing, okay? But what he did do was take some moments where he was able to share teaching and wisdom for his followers. The passage that we have for us today is one of those times. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to jump into it. We're going to look at... John 8, not 18, John 8, 31 through 37. And in your reading, I mean in your hearing, I will read, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, 
yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. May it please the Lord to add a blessing to the reading of his word for his namesake. Amen. All right. So Jesus is taking this time to share something to a group that's a mixed audience, but they all claim to believe. So right out the front, let me give you my four points, four simple points. I'll take my seat. The context he refines, the condition he requires, the connection he reveals, and the consequence for refusing. Let me read that again just for clarity. The context he refines, the condition he requires, the connection he reveals, and the consequence for rejecting. Now, the book of John has one of the clearest purpose statements in the entire Bible. John 20, 31 says this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, this purpose statement is going to actually undergird all of our conversation today. Notice that what he says here, though. There is a for for believing. It's not just believe. There's a for for believing, and that for is life in his name. Believing by itself is not enough. I'm going to develop that point a little bit later. Now, Jesus has been teaching in this passage about himself and the implications of being a follower. He has been dealing with resistance and antagonism throughout his entire ministry, but this is beginning to escalate to murderous levels. Okay? Now, Jesus is addressing, like I said earlier, to people who say they believe in him. Yet among that same group are people who seek to murder him. It's an odd contradiction. Jesus is not concerned about gathering a crowd, so let's make that sure and clear. Because today we have a lot of people who claim to be believers, but is that actually true? Jesus is not concerned about a crowd. He wants genuine disciples, people who are distinct from the crowd. If we, under, if we ever wondered why James said what he said and how he got his theology about faith without works being dead, well, this is where he gets it from, okay? Because Jesus is going to say believing is not enough. And he's going to grab the context in which he finds his people, and he's going to refine it just a little bit, okay? He's going to take this point and say something that's going to make a change and a, a dividing line down the middle. How does he do it? How does he take that, that context and refine it? Is a condition he requires, okay? In order for him, or in order for you to be a disciple, verse 31 says, you have to, Jesus says there that you have to hold to his teaching. Some translations have it or render it remain or abide. That means we have to live there, okay? What he's saying here is that his followers will remain faithful to his teaching about who he is and how he commands us to live no matter what, okay? Despite pressures, despite challenges, no matter what, we're supposed to maintain that teaching that he's told us to hold to, okay? Now, a true disciple will remain faithful, And he begins, if you're a true disciple, by using that two-letter conditional word, if. 
This is why he, the reason he says this is because he wants to put that dividing line with his audience. He wants to take them from simply believing to being true followers. Because only by being a true follower of Jesus do you actually get to live the way he's called us to, and there's an end point to it. It's freedom. And I'll develop that a little bit more. Now, let's take a look at this from a different perspective. Joseph, remember Joseph, son of Jacob? He went to Egypt. His brother sold him out. You remember him? Okay. So Joseph was a perfect example of this. Mrs. Potiphar came to him and said, what? Sleep with me. Lay with me. And he rejected her cold, flat out. But she didn't take no for an answer. The Bible said day after day, she would come to him, day after day. And he would say, no, 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 no. Okay? He would keep saying no. Why? Because he's holding to what he knows is right. And the day that we live today, brothers and sisters, let's make sure things are going on right now. If you can't see what's coming, your eyes are closed. And we will have to take this type of mindset where we have to hold to the position, to the, the teachings that Jesus has given us, in order for us to be able to get through. But that doesn't mean we get through with our lives intact. More on that later. Okay? Now, verse 32 explains the importance of why we must hold to this, um, to this teaching. When you hold to his teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus did not say you might know the truth and that you might be set free. He's saying with, spit, uh, with certainty, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But why these two together? Why truth and why freedom? I'm glad you asked that question. Now, this is going to lead to our third point, and we're going to sit here for a while. There's a connection between the two. There's a connection he reveals. And it's more than just about truth and freedom. So in God's economy... You cannot have freedom, not the freedom that Jesus is talking about, without knowing the truth. Truth and freedom are critically related. And, the, and this is the connection he reveals. But let's stop for a second and let's define these terms. What's truth? Truth, in its basic form, is our reality. What is? Or the way things are, right? It has a factual component to it. Uh, let's say we are in, we're currently in Springfield, Virginia. If you want to verify that fact, all you have to do is pull up your phone, turn on your GPS, and it'll tell you, okay? I'm about six foot tall, depending on how much I eat, okay? And you can easily verify that by taking my height, right? Jesus Christ was born, lived, died, and rose again. That's a fact that's been proven already, both from Scripture and outside of Scripture. But we all know one thing. Truth is not about just facts, right? There's more to it than that. And there's something deeper to that truth. Because facts are the what in life, right? But that what doesn't tell you the why. Why are things the way they are? Why do we do the things that we do? We'll never know that why unless we know the who. Right? So when we look at Colossians 1, 15 to 17, it tells us clearly that Jesus is a physical manifestation of the invisible God. And that through him and by him, everything that, everything that is known and created was made by him. 
and for him. That's important. So if we want to understand what makes the world go around and why, we have no other choice but to deal with the one who made it. See, this is where the world goes wrong. They think that they can go any way they want, and they can figure things out. And what they have done is limited life to just the basic facts. But it's not the why or the who that's involved there. They only are looking at the what. And without the who, they'll never get there. All right? We as believers in Jesus Christ, we do not have to be ashamed about the fact that we know the who. And only he can explain the what or the why. This is truth. Okay? Because the reality in which we live was created by Jesus Christ. And because he knows this reality, what he teaches us is critically important for how we interact in this reality. You guys follow me? Okay, so the answer here is we cannot know any truth or understand this reality without the who. That who is Jesus Christ. Now, you guys, you guys are good, right? You follow me? Making sense so far? Very good. Let's talk about freedom. And we'll deal with this very quickly. Last month, we celebrated Independence Day, right? Every year, we commemorate that. That's freedom from the tyranny of England, right? Taxation without representation and being able to do the things that we want to do. But that freedom, that independence, is not complete. That's freedom from tyranny. And that's only one form of freedom. Freedom goes a little further than that. Think of freedom when you say freedom from something. I am freed from. That means the chains are being let loose. You're giving the opportunity to be able to be all you can be. But here's the problem. If all you are are freed from something and you're not freed for something, all you'll do is spin around in circles. It's the for that Jesus is talking about here. He has freed us for more than this. He's freed us so that we would be able to reach our creational purpose, what God intended for his people to be. Not just us as Christians. This is what God has in store for all of humanity. Because every person living, every human being, is an image bearer of God. And God's goal is to restore every single image bearer. Whether we want it or not, he's, that is his desire. So when we talk about holding to the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is saying, I am going to teach you in such a way that you will know the truth, and that truth will f- set you free. Now, that seems simple, doesn't it? Yes? No? It seems simple. Up until we go back to the te- text, and then we see what the response is. But before we go there, okay, before we go there, I want us to take a look at another passage. Let's look at John 3, 16 through 21. John 3, 16 through 21. You have that up on the screen? No worries. I will read it for us. Okay, there we go. So, you guys know this passage. It's pretty familiar, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, there's our word, comes into the light so that it might be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Notice what the Lord is doing here, though. He's uh, contrasting the evil ones, the people whose deeds are evil, and he's not contrasting or comparing them to the people whose deeds are good. You see that? He's not trying to do that. There is no comparison. We all know no one is good. Only God is good. This is the reason why Jesus says it this way. But look what he does do. He says that those who live by the truth is compared or contrasted with those who don't. Why? Because they believe, verse 17, they recognize their deeds are already evil, but they're not trying to hide it because the truth is their deeds are evil. But because of Jesus coming into the world and proclaiming that he is not here to condemn, it allows them to be able to approach him and receive the the salvation that he offers. You know who has a great example of this? David. Remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? That was an awful and horrific sin, right? But when Nathan came and said to David, you're the man, did Nathan fight? I mean, did David fight? Did he send Nathan to the the stocks? Did he have him killed? No. He wrote two psalms about it. Why? Because he knew that his deed was evil. But yet he was able to approach the Lord, and Nathan even told him, you have been forgiven. No small wonder why God says that David is a man after his own heart. David was not perfect, but every time he fell off the rails, he let himself get back on the path. Why? Because he was able to live by truth, and that truth set him free. You know, when you read the, the, the accounts that, Jesus, I mean, that God says about David, he says that no one was as faithful as my, my servant David. And we know David messed up more than one time, right? Right? But it wasn't because he was perfect, but it was because he lived by the truth. And in that way, he was a man after God's own heart. Follow me? Okay. Now, let's take another deep breath and let's do a really quick review. The path to true freedom is not from something alone. It is also for something. The Lord is guiding our understanding because he's taken the context and he's refining it. He does this because he doesn't want a crowd. He wants true followers. And the way he does that is that he's creating a distinction. To be his disciples, there's a condition he requires. Now, we must hold to this teaching. When we do, we see the connection between, the connection he reveals between truth and freedom. And it's the only through what he teaches we'll be able to know the truth. When we know the truth, it will set us free. So the critical relationship between truth and freedom is if you reject one truth, you are unable to attain the other. Let me say that again. If you reject truth, you are unable to attain freedom. And we're going to see this a little bit more. Let me read verse 33 of John 8 again. Now, notice the response to the group, from the group. He said, they answered him, and you would think that they would get this, but let's, let's see what they say. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? This is one of the boldest statements I have ever read in the scripture. Because if you guys are at all familiar with the Old Testament, 
you know that Israel was born as slaves. The nation itself was born as slaves. When they got to the new, uh, the, the promised land, they had, in the days of the judges, they had continuous foreign powers coming in and controlling them. God had to raise up judges to be able to free them, okay? Now, that happened up until the time of the, the kings, but guess what happened? During those times, the ten tribes were set away, or taken away as slaves by Assyria. The, the other two tribes were taken away by Babylon, and even when they returned, they had to deal with the Greeks. And at the time John is writing this letter, Imperial Rome had her fist squarely planted in the chest of Israel. And yet they are saying they have never been slaves. That's because they don't deal with the truth. The truth is clear. We have always been slaves. Now, they may be saying from a spiritual perspective, we're children of Abraham. And so by virtue of the fact that we're God's special people, we have never seen slavery. Not like that. But wait one second. Jesus has something else to say about that. Because if we read further, listen to what Jesus replies. Verily I, very, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That is Israel all day long. The thing that got them taken off the promised land was what? Sin. Their, their, their capacity to run after idols. They could not give it up. Even though God warned them and warned them and warned them, they still could not give it up. Yet here, they strongly believe somehow that with that reality, somehow they are not. Jesus is not going to let you get away with not understanding the truth. Let's make sure we're clear. If you don't, if you don't accept the truth, God is going to make it so that you will never understand the truth. And he does not do that so that he might judge you. If you're persistent, he will. But he does that so that you can be like the prodigal son. He showed contempt to his father. Remember that? And he ran off and spent all that money. And when he was in the pig's pen, broken and destitute, he asked the question, what am I doing here? See, that's the point of God turning you over to this. And let me show it to you in a little bit more clear terms. Let's, if you will, let's turn to Romans 1, and we're going to go from Romans 1, 18 through 28. It's a long section, but you're going to get this as I put it together for you, okay? Romans 1, 18 through, ah, look, there it is. All right. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since, we, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, he's a, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of God... 
Uh, because of this, God gave, gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Let me break this down for us. Verse 18 says the wrath of God is being revealed. So that means it is on display. How is it on display? Let me just back up for a second. Do you guys see any of the Olympic trials? Did you? Yes, very good. Now, did you see some of the commercials? Do you know what June was? Pride Month. You couldn't escape the commercials. It was Pride Month. That's where the LGBT and the transgender community was able to be on TV with commercials running, every, it felt like every five minutes, and saying, hey, this is who we are, and we're proud, and we're celebrating. They think this is them. This is the wrath of God on full display, people. Because God has given them over to this. And they have taken the, the biblical understanding of what a family ought to be and what a relationship between man and women is supposed to be, and they have twisted it. And they're li living in the delusion. Men are dressing up like women. Women are dressing up like men. There is no small wonder why they are doing what they're doing, because they refuse to retain God in their minds. And if you, if you refuse, the, refuse the truth, if you refuse the one who has created everything, you are only left with the foolishness that spins you around deeper and deeper into your sin. You guys follow me? The full wrath of God is being put on display. And listen to me. This, the way Paul is talking about this in Romans, there is no specific time in history. This is every time someone takes the truth and refuses to, um, to hear it. If they take the truth and try to suppress it with the wickedness in which they want to live, every single generation will see the same thing. This applies to us as well. We may not see it as this LBG community, but if the statistics are correct, Pornography plagues the church. Workaholism plagues the church. There's a number of things that plague the church. And if we are consistently finding ourselves in that, then maybe we are been turned over because we're not living the truth. We're not holding to the teachings of Jesus. So I say that just because I want to bring a little bit of balance here because I don't want it to be us versus them. The, if we talk about the Jews, or if we talk about the LBG community, it doesn't matter because it's a human problem, okay? All of us, all of us suffer to this in some way or another if we are not holding to the truth, okay? Guys following me? Okay. Now, let's go back, let's go back to John 8. John 8, and let's finish this up. Because Jesus finishes really, really strong here. And I don't want us to uh, just to glance over this. Now, the reason Jesus gives um, for them is that they are not free. They're victims of their sin. 
And he says something very interesting. Oh, wait a minute. Let's see. Find a right text for you first. Okay. Verily I truly, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. There's a relational aspect of it. Okay? There's a relational aspect of it. It underscores what I was telling you earlier. If without the who, you'll never understand the what nor the why. Why am I stuck in this place? You've got to go to the who. And what Jesus is doing here, even in light of the knowledge that he has people there who want to murder him, look at what he's doing. So if the son sets you free, now let me back up. Now a slave has um, no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus is still, still in this, this context, Jesus is still desiring to offer them something with people that he knows is trying to kill him. But he's drawing a line and saying, listen, you want to be a follower of mine? It's not just about belief. It's belief plus a life. You have to live this out. And I want to give you this. I truly want to give you this. But if you don't heed, you will be blinded. This is what we saw in Romans. Three times, remember, three times we hear God saying that he gave them over. So what happens with sin? Sometimes the greatest consequence of sin is the sin itself. The thing that you want to run after and you don't want to veer off, God is going to give it to you. But that's not because he wants you to go there. He wants you to see what the consequence is. The, the prodigal son was one of those. Why am I here? Well, because you, you, you showed contempt for your father. And you wasted everything that he gave you. And now you have nothing. Why? Well, that's the natural consequence when you do something like that. And what Jesus was wanting to say is that his desire is to set us free. Brothers and sisters, we have that same mission, right? Because we can't afford to look at what they're doing and say they are the problem. We were like them, right? We may not have the same sin issues because we all have our own specific sin, but they are no different than us. We have been redeemed, praise God, and now we get to share that truth with them. But how do we use truth? Because we can't afford to have truth be used as a sledgehammer because we know how that works, right? But look at the way Jesus, later on, I mean, earlier in, in John, he deals with the lady at the well. He spoke the truth to her, right? You have five husbands, and the man that you're with right now, he's not even your husband. You are true when you say that. But that's all as far as he went, because he took that truth and then took her deeper with it. He didn't beat her up. He used it to free her. Remember when she first started? She was alone, going out to the well at the hottest time of the day, trying to avoid everybody. And then when she got done with Jesus, she went to go talk to everybody, right? Why? Because she had the who. She met the who, and she, understand, she understood the why. Jesus wasn't concerned about her sin, because a lot of people concentrate on the fact that she had five husbands and want to talk about sin. But see, Jesus wasn't really worried about the sin. He already knew what the sin was. Remember what he talked to her about? The water, the thirst. For her, it wasn't the sin, it was the search. What are you looking for, sweetie? What is it that got you where you went through five husbands and the one that you're with right now? He's not even your husband. 
Let me let you know what life is really about. And then he began to break it down for her. Brothers and sisters, we've got that opportunity like in spades today. Now, I alluded to this earlier. We're living at a time in our country that we are seeing major shifts coming. And these things have implications for us, okay? The freedom that Jesus is talking about here, it frees us to be able to, to deal with what's coming and still, still show the grace that he is showing here. You know who shows another example of that? Joseph with his brothers. So you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You know why? Because, G- I mean, Joseph understood his purpose. And this is why we are here. The reason why God saved us and did not call us home is because we've got a job to do here. And if we live in freedom, if we recognize staying and holding to the teachings of Jesus helps us to understand truth, and that truth sets us free, it's free for us to to act according to our creational purpose. As image bearers of God, we reflect his personality and his desire to other image bearers of God. We're redeemed, they're unredeemed, but the work still continues, and we have got to take advantage of this. So... I'm going to end a little differently today. When we heard earlier a challenge, it was funny, I was starting to giggle myself because I had had a challenge for us to talk about. Because we got to ask the question, after we have a conversation like this, are we actually free? Those of us who say we hold to the teachings of Jesus, are we actually free? When we look at what's coming, are we free to see this as an opportunity for a further evangelism? Or do we see this and we look, with, look at it with dread, worry, fear? It's okay if you are there. We just can't stay there. Okay? Truthfully, we have to acknowledge whenever we're um, scared uh, or worried or even have anxiety. Jesus warns us against that, but we cannot acknowledge the truth. Living in the truth is what sets you free. We just cannot stay there because it's not just about us at all. It's about glorifying God, number one, and reaching those who are in need of his salvation. Amen? Okay. So, let me ask you this. How do you see our country changing over the next six months, year, five years? With these COVID changes and the pressure for people to do certain things. I'm not trying to be political here. I'm trying to get you guys to see what's coming down the pike, right? Because as believers in Jesus Christ, we live between the now and the then and everything in between. But God gives us certain things to see as they're coming so that we can brace ourselves. I don't think Jesus is going to come swooping down and save us from all the, 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 the foolishness. I think he designed it for us to be here. Remember, Joseph realized that everything his brothers did was God's will because it came to a purpose at the end. The end was to save lives, and Joseph lived long enough to see the accomplishment of that. Lives were saved, and his words to his brother was, as it is this day, mission accomplished. So let me ask you, Would we be willing to go into the lion's den? Would we be willing to put ourselves in danger just by taking a stand or be actively going out into a situation? You don't have to answer that question to me now. I have an assignment for you, though. Over the next couple of months, 
once a week, I have this challenge for you. One is easy. Find a believer and encourage them. Shouldn't be difficult, right? Find a believer and encourage them. Engage them in conversation, find out what's on their mind, and pray for them. Don't make it the same believer every week for the next two months, okay? Make it somebody different, okay? Second one is going to be a little more challenging. Find a non-believer and talk to them. Find out about their lives. See how they're responding to this whole COVID thing. See how they're thinking about what's happening in our country. And when you're able, share the gospel. Two challenges. You guys up for it? I tell you what, why don't you, over the next couple of months, as you're doing that, share those conversations with one another. Share them with Pastor uh, Eric as well, too. I'll be in touch with him and see what kind of conversations he's been hearing from you guys. Okay? I will be doing the same. I'm not just going to tell you this, because really, when I preach, I tend to think of this as you guys hearing me talk to myself. How about that? Okay? So, when you guys do this, let's share this together. Because into any issues, as the body of Christ, and we look into the Word, we can begin to see ways in which we become more effective about spreading the kingdom. The, spring, the kingdom agenda is critically important at this time. There's nothing that works best than the gospel of Jesus Christ when things are a mess, okay? That has been the history of the church. We don't do so well when things are good. We, go, we do well when things are a little shaky and dicey, okay? And it can't be that much dicier than what we're seeing right now, okay? I say that now, but boy, things can happen very quickly. But we are not to be burdened by fear and anxiety. Jesus has given this to us. And if we believe it and we live it, we'll enjoy that freedom. Amen? My time is done. Let me go close us in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to get into your word. I pray, Lord, if there was anything that I have said that is not in keeping with your word, I pray you strike it from the minds of your people. But if I've been faithful, Lord God, let it sit as seed and let it grow and let it flourish into the, into the thing that you would want for each of us. All of us are different, Lord God, but you know, we know that you are our Father and you know each of our needs and our stories. And as we embark on this challenge, Father God, I pray that we find opportunities to be able to share the gospel to those who don't know you. But more importantly, Lord God, that we encourage each other to be able to do this more and more. So I pray, Lord, that you take this and bless it as you see fit. In Jesus' name. Amen.